We're going to dismiss our children's ministry, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. We'll see you guys. And I know you're all really proud of me for remembering this week, aren't you? Yeah, I know. I'm hearing that. That's like awesome. We'll see you guys a little later. So we've been talking about getting unstuck. We've been talking about the things in life that come against us, and we just, we get stuck. I mean, we all do in one way or another. And you remember I was even mentioning that young man that got his truck stuck and got him out. And, um, you know, that's where we're going to kind of focus on this morning is uh, we talked about, you know, why we get stuck and what happens when we're stuck. And before we go any further, I want to ask you a question. Who remembers the number one way, the number one thing we do to get unstuck, according to what I've been preaching? Who remembers the number one way? No, wait, wait, watch, watch. This, this, is, what, this is what I'm seeing. I get it. I don't remember half my sermons when I leave here. I go, Trish, what did I say? I'm just kind of like, we're going to talk about it. But the number one thing we need to remember is to put aside anything that is hindering us. That's the number one thing. Who remembers the number two thing that we do? I mean, if we didn't remember number one, right? (laughs) All right. So you might think, well, Pastor Tony, if you're going to preach about it, why are you talking about it now? Well, here's the reason why. Because this is review day. We're going to get this because, you know what, being stuck is the number one thing that hinders us from moving on with what God wants in our life. I'm telling you, we, we, even though we don't, I know no one will say, well, Pastor Tony, I want to stay stuck. Uh, well, I like it here. This is a great place to be, you know, stuck in my stuck little world. I, I know that that's not our thoughts and our hearts, but here's what happens the majority of the time. Now, hear me out is when we get stuck, it becomes so familiar familiar to us, we stay there. For whatever reasons, you know, from the past sermons, we have a tendency to stay there. We have a tendency not to believe God can get us unstuck. And so there's times we need to be reminded. The word this morning, God this morning, as I preach, and as what he put on my heart is to remind us this morning that he is God. And he's a God of getting us unstuck. He really, truly is. And we need to be reminded of that. We don't need to stay where we're at, no matter what it might be. Some of us, we might be stuck just in a little thing. And some might be stuck in a big thing. Wherever we're stuck this morning, I want us to really look, reflect back, and ask God to help us move on. And whatever that might be. Amen? It's me. So, as every week we look at this, our mission at 4CBC is equipping the saints, strengthening our families, and growing together in faith. I say that every week for twofold. We have visitors every week. Um, They're so awesome. I love love every church. I love God's church. But that's what I like about Four Quarters. I really do. We get to meet so many people from around the world. It's cool. It's an opportunity most churches don't, don't have, you know. And so for our visitors here, this is what we're about. We really believe in equipping the saints, and that's a Sunday morning service for us. That happens to be where the the church meets together. We meet, of course, on Sunday. That's also our equipping time. 
strengthening our families, that means our families overall. Uh, you're a part of a big family if you're a believer, right? And so we need to strengthen our families, strengthen the body of Christ, and then growing together in faith. If we're not growing, we are, well, we're dying, yes. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, but I'm going to use the word stuck this morning. Um, but you're right. We, Yeah, if we're not growing, we're dying. Uh, that's also true. So, I mean, so here we go. Today's sermon title, for especially those that are listening on the Internet, is No Shame. And by the way, may I mention for us to be praying uh, for those that do listen on the Internet? I, I didn't realize. I mean, it's not like we have tens of thousands of followers. But there's more listening than I know because more and more people are telling me. They'll contact me and let me know. Uh, hey, thanks. Uh, God just put it on my heart to let you know that I'm listening to your sermons. I'm going, really? What? Even my own brother, um, hi, Dennis, uh, said, man, you know, uh, where did the, where's all this coming from? I grew up with you. I said, it was God. He goes, well, it must be. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, anyway, it might be a little private thing there. But um, so that is not a picture of the truck that the young man was stuck in, but he was stuck like that. He was stuck in the mud. No way was he getting out on his own that I talked about earlier, and it wasn't until I pulled him out with my truck that he was able to get out. I told him I would not tell his parents. Uh, he made me promise, or else he said I, I couldn't help him. But when I got him unstuck, I said, I will not tell your parents, uh, but you will. And I know most of you remember that, but the bottom line is I want us to remember something. The reason I say that this morning, God already knows, Right? I mean, he already knows. He already knows our struggles, our thoughts, where we're stuck. He, he already knows. And I know that might seem obvious, but sometimes I have to even remind myself. He knows the circumstances of life we're in. He knows the things we're dealing with. He knows the parts we're anxious about. See, he already knows. And sometimes I think we forget that. You know, sometimes I think we, we think he doesn't know and he doesn't understand. And yet he's just standing there waiting to respond to us. Um, but we need to respond to him. So as we review, we're going to look at this. Number one thing was, if you live according to the flesh, you will set your mind on the things of the flesh. And, and I'm going to reiterate some of these verses and some of these things. That's found in Romans. But literally, the word set means set. It means solid. It means, it means taking something that's physical, uh, whether it can be within your mind or your spirit, but still, and setting, tangible, and literally, once you set it there, can you feel that? I mean, I know you can, but you can feel it, can't you? Can you touch it? And you're not going to drink it because I've already got, I've already started it. But, but it's very tangible. And that word set literally means if you set your mind, meaning if you put your mind on the flesh. Do, do, does that help us a little? You get what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, I had that thought. It's literally saying, if you set, if you put your mind on the things of the flesh, your fleshly desires, uh, uh, your, you want your own way. And, and some of us are a little younger in the room uh, today. And, and the thing is, if you're a little bit younger, a lot of times we want our own way, don't we? You know, our way or the highway, if you know that saying. And then the Bible also tells us if you live according uh, to the Spirit, you will set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Okay, what comes first? The setting of something or the something? I know it seems like a trick question. Yeah, yeah, so watch. I'm gonna, I would just go to the spirit because it'd take too long to 
break down the flesh. But if you live according to the Spirit, you will set your mind on the Spirit. So it takes me engaging the Spirit of God first. Very important. You see what I'm saying? So when it does say, if you live according to the flesh, you set your mind on the things of the flesh, catch what's going on. I'm going I'm to move a little quicker here in a minute. But this is the very foundation of this morning. If you live according to the flesh, you will set your mind on the things of the flesh. So if I'm doing fleshly things or watching things I shouldn't watch, hearing things I shouldn't do, then then because of my actions or what I'm doing, I will now set my mind there. It's not just a matter of, oh, I'm a grown up. I can tell the difference between good and evil. I hear, I hear that from young people to, to older adults. I can watch trash on TV or, or a movie because, you know what, I get the difference. It doesn't matter. But, yes, it does matter. What we do is where our mind is set. Whether we think it's good or bad or not, I'm telling you, it's set on what we watch and what we see. Well, the same is with the Spirit. We come in and we worship God. We read His Word. We pray. And as I do the things of God, my mind begins to be set in the things of God. And as my mind is set in the things of God, I don't want to do the things of the world. Okay. I know that some of that seems simple, but that's foundation to what we're talking about this morning. So here we go. In Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, what's that word? Throw off. Let us throw off everything. How many things? Okay. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So again, take this literal. When he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off literally Throw those things off. Um, who here watches R-rated movies? No, just can't tell them. <laughs> I just, I want to see, I want to see if you're listening. But, okay, so are R-rated movies bad? It's very subjective. See, this is the problem. It's subjective. I mean, really. I mean, you know, you could have an R-rated movie because of uh, language, because you know, uh, bad scenes or, uh, you know, things that you, you, you know, nudity or whatever, just say it. Um, but the point is, that's the problem. See, everything can be subjective. We, we you know, one person will say it's bad, one person not. One person says, well, it's not so bad. And I, you know, one person says, I close my eyes during the scenes that aren't good. And you know what I mean? We all have a different take on things. That's why we need to understand as we're looking at this, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders so if we're doing something in the world or we're watching something or we're seeing something, and especially if we're stuck in something, you know what the Bible says? Throw it off. Throw it off. It's very, it's very intentional. You, you can't go, you can't go, oh, well, um, well, um, this, I know this is bad. Um, I, I know this is bad, but. I tell you what, I won't look at it, and I won't, I'll just keep it right here, just, just in case. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Let us throw off everything. I want your hands. I want, I want you to participate. Who here would say you have a pretty good idea what you think good 
and bad is. Pretty good idea. Good and what's bad. We really do overall. We know when something is of the flesh. We know when something's not so good for our life. And we especially know when we're stuck in something, whether it's a relationship or a problem or an issue, whatever the case may be, really deep down we know. The Bible's telling us to throw it off. You can't play around. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to say that. Sometimes people go, well, man, Pastor Tony, you're being a little rough. Do you live your life that way? I try. Am I perfected it? No. I mean, I'm no different. But I try. And you know what? I'm not the same person today than I was 20 years ago either, though. Right? I've, I've thrown a lot of things off my life. I don't know about you, but. And then what do we do? When we throw it off, we've got to remember something this. We've got to remember something this. We've got to remember this. That the bottom line is we're running this race, this race we're calling Christianity. And we're running it with Christ. And so when we throw things off in our life, we've got to remember this one thing. We then must fix our eyes on Jesus. Because if we throw things off or we get unstuck, the young man, I pulled his truck out. He had it unstuck, right? But then if he just kept fixing his eyes and driving his truck into, into these mud holes, what's he going to do? He's going to get stuck again. But what did this young man do? He fixed his eyes on his parents who took away his truck. I, he's supposed to fix his eyes on Jesus that says, don't do these things. Okay, you got it. I see you. Romans 8, 27 says this. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we talked about this as we, we seek the things of God and we set our mind, or we do the things of God and we, our mind gets set on the spiritual things of God. And as we do that, the Word of God starts interacting with our spirit. And, and we start to understand more and more what God's will is in our life and how we can get unstuck because we are in the right place, the right mindset, the right attitude with God that we can now start hearing what he's saying through the word and the spirit. Okay, you with me? Or, or, or shake your head or something. You with me? I don't want to lose, lose us. Okay. So, as we start looking at what God's will is, the way we're going to find out how to get unstuck and what his will is, is to be closer to him and allow his spirit to start revealing these things to us. We're still not unstuck yet. Who here has ever felt like you know God has revealed something to you through his word? You knew you were supposed to respond to it, but you didn't. Anyone? Raise your hand if that happened. I was waiting for you because I can put up both hands, two feet. I mean, I'm not proud of those times. And like I say, I'm better today than I was. But, man, it's tough when you know that you know God is saying, this is what I want. This, the Spirit of God is quickening your heart. And the Word of God confirms it and says, you know, this is what I want for you, Tony. And then all of a sudden you say or I say, no. I choose to stay stuck. I, I mean, I... I I can't imagine, and maybe I shouldn't go here, but I praise God for how the, the event took place. I cannot imagine had I been two minutes later picking Heather up and she was still in her car waiting. Think about that. When that tornado came over and imploded her windows. Think about that. Well, wait, he's, he's praising God right there. Don't, don't leave. 
There isn't no one else saying amen. I, I know. Oh, yeah. Bless you, sister. You're so kind. Okay. In Matthew 7, 7, it says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And we talked about, you know, it's it's one thing. We, we need to be doing the things of God. That, that helps us to set our things on the spiritual things of God. And as we do that, the Spirit of God, now interceding with the Father, can start re, re, speaking to our spirit, revealing his will, how we can get unstuck, right? And, get, and just letting us know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And now all of a sudden, though, this is the part we have to put action we start putting things aside that are hindering us from growing or, or getting unstuck. And now, though, we need to start going, like, hey, God, I'm going to use a very simple illustration. You know, God, I've been having a problem stealing cookies. Very, very simple, but I want to keep it simple. And I'm stuck. I don't know what it is, but no matter what I do, I keep going to Granny's house or I keep going to work, and there's cookies there, and I know, you know, I didn't really ask anyone if I should take them, and I'm just stuck here. I keep stealing this. You can apply that to some something in your life. You keep doing something over and over and over, even though you know it's not right. You're stuck. Okay. So the next thing you know, you got to lay it aside. So you either don't go in the room where the cookies are, or you literally ask someone, "Would you please remove these cookies?" You know what? I'm too tempted to take them. Ah. Huh. But you got to do what you got to do. And the next thing you know, you're 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 praying, and the Spirit of God's revealing His Word: "Thou shalt not steal." And you know in your heart of hearts that you're doing the right thing and God's affirming for affirming that to you. Simple illustration, but keep up with me. So now what's the next step? I mean, even though it's just taking a cookie, but again, apply it to what, where you're stuck. It might be watching pornography. It might be in a, a, a relationship where you're very, very angry at someone. You just won't let it go. You're stuck. It controls your life. It might be in a relationship with a, with a spouse, or it might be, you know, a, a boss that let you go, and it just was not justified in doing so. And it might be an accident that happened, and it wasn't even your fault, but now you're living with the consequences of pain and hurt, and, and, and you're just, you're, you're stuck. And, and, and we try to justify these things, you know, you just don't understand, but, but God does understand. Maybe I don't. And you're stuck. God does not want that. And so I start praying. I start asking God, ah, you know, I'm, I'm struggling taking these cookies or I'm struggling in this area of my life. And I'm asking you, I, I can't do this alone. And I'm seeking your, your, your will, your guidance, you know, in these previous things that I'm doing. God, I'm seeking you and you're revealing your word to me and your spirit tells me that you're there and, and I, just, I just need your help. And I'm knocking. I'm being very intentional about what you're telling me. And, and, and w- what's my next step? You know, how do I, what do I do? Do I get counseling? Do I dig into your word? Do I get a prayer partner? Do I get an accountability person? What do I do? And, and God, I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I'm believing. I'm believing that you're going to send help. You're going to be help. And you're going to be there for me. I'm believing. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. This is the key, the transition of getting unstuck. That we literally set our minds on heaven, on eternity. Whether we want to believe it or not, life here is short. 
Bible says it's but a vapor that we live here on this earth. I know we don't want to think in those ways, and I, I, I get it. But I don't want to miss out what God has for me here on earth. I, I'm, still, I'm still here. I'm a born-again believer still here. Think about this. God has put me here and left me here to do one thing, to glorify him. Think about this. The, the joy that God wants to exhibit and give to me in my life is to glorify him while I'm still here. Otherwise, he would take me home. So what I'm saying is the greatest joy we'll ever have is to get unstuck and to follow him. I'm telling you. It's the greatest joy we'll ever have. There's not a boss that's going to get victory over me. There's not, and I don't, we're doing great, but there's not a, a, my spouse is not going to get victory over me or get my goat. I mean, once in a while, but you know, we we move through that. You understand what I'm saying? Not an accident, not a, we can't, guys, we, we, we got to get unstuck. We got to allow God to, to get us moving on. That we can know real joy. God's joy. Got to hear me. It's not a pipe dream. It's not fantasy. It's what God desires. So with that said, we got to today's t- message title. Yeah, we, we'll get done in a couple hours. We'll be all right. All right. So it, Romans 9.33 says, The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Never be put to shame. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that a little bit today, this morning. I want us to watch another video by the same uh, drama people. I think uh, they really fit what we're doing. Take a listen and a watch. <laughs> Do you get it? It's an interrupting no. cow. He interrupts. That's what Come he does. On. He's a moo, right? It's so dumb. It's a knock Dumb. It's joke. funny. Hey, Laura. Oh, the Lord is I'm... my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What are you doing? It's me. It's Jesus. Lord, we take up our cross every day for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, but the cross is where it begins, not in. Thou art the beginning and the end, Lord, Alpha and Omega. It's all about you, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, guys, I-, I just want you to be real with me. You are the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. <laughs> Drew, I think it's great when you worship me. Oh, yes. Praise you, Lord Jesus. It's just that sometimes it feels like you're putting on a show. Oh, Jesus, please forgive me for putting on a show and being oh, fake. Uh, okay, I, I forgive you. Oh, praise you for okay. your grace. Lord Jesus, thank you. Guys, just say what you would normally say. Praise hallelujah. No, I mean, like, you know, if, if we were talking, you know, say what you'd say. Okay. Um, Drew, tell us a joke. What? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you were before. Thou art holy, Lord. That's not a joke. Oh, no, I, I didn't mean that. What are you guys doing? Jesus, we're living for you just like we always do. Don't live for me. Live in me. When you live in me, you'll understand who you are and what you're living for. I just want something a little bit deeper. But if this is all you want.
God that loves us, that created us, wants a personal relationship with us. He already knows our heart. He already knows our mind. He already knows what goes on behind closed doors. He already knows tomorrow. He wants a personal relationship with us. Not one that's that's brought about um, just on a Sunday morning worship or one maybe at bedtime in prayer, which, which is awesome. I mean, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I think that drama really exhibits. If we're not careful and we get stuck, we have a tendency to see Christ only in those moments when we're drawing close to him or when we're praying or maybe reading his word. And then the rest of the time, we don't have a tendency to see him. We have a tendency to act and to talk like he's right beside us at times, but then there's, there's a moment that we forget that he's always with us, you know? God wants that real living relationship with us. Romans 9.30 says, What then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but the people of Israel who pursue the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal? Now, that should probably, it's going to be a tongue twister for some of us. So, turn in your Bibles to Romans 9. I want to look at this for a moment. Romans 9, verse 30. And as you're turning there, I'm going to start again by reading that same scripture. I am going to continue from there. I just wanted to put up the main scripture. It says this again. What shall we say then, that Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have obtained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not obtained to the law of righteousness. Okay, I'm going to explain what that means in a minute. But now verse 32 says this. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith but as it were by the word works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Now here's what's going on. I, I don't, we don't have time enough this morning to dig into the, the totality, if you will, the context that this has taken. But here you have God's chosen people, the people of Israel. And most of us are familiar with that. If not, just, just understand that, that um, God has a people, I mean, still has a people, but the people of Israel who God was in covenant with, was re, in relationship with, and desired for them to embrace him for who he was, there was a time back in the Old Testament it's current now, but just stay with me a minute. Back in the Old Testament, the law. Who knows the law? What, what does it mean when I say the law? Simply put, it's the Ten Commandments. Simply put. Okay? So, thou shalt have no other gods. Okay. So, what he's saying is, is God's own people, this is Paul speaking in Romans, he's saying that God's own people try to obtain a relationship with God by doing the law. They, they, they felt like if they, if they did everything that God said to do, you know, don't steal, honor your parents, and, and they did everything they could to live by the law, they felt like that was all they needed to do. 
and they had no relationship with God. Similar to the drama, you know, the, the people in the drama, you know, when, when Jesus was around them, all of a sudden they became, you know, holy, right? They, they, they switched their mind and their life and they tried to do good things. They, oh no, God, we're just going to do good stuff. This is, this is all it takes. And in the word, what's going on here is he's saying that, listen, You'll never gain a relationship by trying to do the things of God with God. I have a relationship with our daughter, Heather, not just because she's our daughter, right? It's because we interact with one another. We talk with one another. She's more than just a daughter by name. So God says, look, You're not going to gain a relationship with me just doing things that you think please me by doing good works and and by trying to, um, if you will, like going to church or reading the Bible. I mean, for the sake of saying, if I do these things, then I will know you. Then that's not true. It's by faith we come to know who God is through Christ, His Son. Let me keep reading to help try to put this into context and a little better understanding for this morning. I'm going to go to chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. All right, I think this will catch a lot of us up to speed right here. So you know how it goes. Jesus comes on the earth. For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And when Jesus came, who was his greatest enemies, if you will, the people that that were against him the most? Who, Who was it? His own people. Yeah, the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the lawyers and the scribes that we taught, we spent a long time several months ago talking about them. Oh, yeah, they were very vocal against Christ. They were very jealous. They, they you know, the, hey, wait a minute. We're the priests. We're the people. What are you doing, you know? And, and, and yeah, so, so in, in a sense, they were very vocal against Christ in that matter. But, but the, the people that were, were, if you will, against Christ the most, and who we're talking about this morning is God's own people, the people of Israel. Jesus was there, and what, listen, God in the flesh stood before them, and what did they say? Crucify him. That's what he's saying. They tried to achieve a relationship with God through the law. They, that if they did what God said in the law, then they would have a relationship with God. And God said, no. You will never obtain a relationship through the law. Why? Why will we never obtain a relationship through the law? Why? Because we can never be perfected in the law. Who here has kept every, ten, every commandment in, in their lifetime? You've not, you've not, I mean, I know we can't say you get the point, though? But they kept, they kept thinking, if I just do what the law says, if I just do what God commanded us, 
I'll have a relationship with him. I'm eternally set forever. God said, no. And then they said, crucify him. Crucify him. So where are you stuck? Where are we stuck this morning? I'm not going to have you say it aloud. And there's probably more than one area. And if you can't think of what area you're stuck in, then you've not given it a consideration, if I may be so bold. If you go, Pastor Tony, I'm good. I'm not stuck anywhere. Well, right there's where you're stuck. <laughs> Got me? If we, if we feel everything's good and we have no place to grow and, we, you know, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is having us to grow deeper in Him, then that's where you're stuck. We're stuck in pride. We're stuck in selfishness. I liken it to this. This is what I liken it to. This is a replica, not of the cross, but a lot of Christian churches and a lot of churches have a cross. Right? Hello? Okay, just just checking. So, I can do one or two things. I can set my mind on the world or on the flesh and do fleshly things and still claim to be a Christian, which I could be. I mean, don't misunderstand that. But if I set my mind on the world and I'm stuck and I'm refusing to allow the Word of God to put it down and allow the Word of God to speak into my heart and empower me and enable me by His grace, by faith, believing what He says to be true, He will be with me, it's like this. And this thing is a little heavy. And I'm a born-again believer. I was saved 1992, September 29th. First Baptist Church, or Northridge Church in Haines City, Florida. We'll always be stuck. See, God doesn't want to carry the cross. He already did that. There's got to be a place where we say, God, I want to move on. You might, Pastor Tony, man, this is deep. This is, but he wants us to move on. There's no way I can carry his cross. Now, he does tell us to daily carry our cross. But that's the difference in what I'm talking about this morning. See, trying to carry his cross is being stuck in the law. That if I do some good things and I, I do some right things, then I'm good. I'm set. Do you, get, do you get the difference here? I'm trying to hit it from some different angles here. But when he says to believe by faith, which he was talking about the Gentiles, for they did achieve righteousness. They did achieve salvation. They did achieve eternity through Christ. But it's because of Christ. Because they believe by faith in what Jesus did and is doing. They're not trying to carry his cross. They're trying to carry their cross that leads by faith into believing that they can get freedom in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. 
We're not too young and we're not too old. There's not a person in this room that's, that's, that's so old, if you will, that they go, well, you know what? I'm so old I can't change. Or I'm so old you just don't understand that, you know, it's beyond, beyond what I can do or say. It's not what God says. He says, let him be God. Can you imagine... If we just left that cross there, who would who wants me to leave the cross there? Every week, we'll just leave it right there. And then, sure enough, someone would say, the cross is blocking my view. Right? I'm not trying to be st- stupid or, you know, someone... I would probably say it, so don't. But someone's going to say, Pastor Tony, I can't see the words. I, I can't see the PowerPoint. I can't see. I, I think the only response that Jesus would have at that time is, um, well, I don't want you to see it if you can't see it through me. I don't want you to see the word. I don't want you to sing the songs. I don't want you to. Raise your hands if if it's not through me, if it's not in me. How do we get unstuck? Right there. If that PowerPoint represented everything we were stuck in, or the one thing, the major thing that you're stuck in today, or I'm stuck in today, God says, put me first. Forget about everything that's on that PowerPoint. Give the anger to him. Give the hurt to him. Give the unforgiveness to him. Stop trying to do his job. Or you'll never have joy as he expects us and desires for us to have while we're still on this earth. Never. I know that's tough. But I just pray and claim that we'll have some freedom in his church. It's okay. Now, not going to leave you hanging. Make sure I don't leave you hanging. So, okay, Pastor Tony, I heard you. I heard what you said. We talked about these things right here. I'm not going to reiterate it. So what I'd like to do, take your worship guide. I want to give you something very tangible to leave with this morning. It's too too simple sometimes, and not, not simple, but too easy to just to, to preach or to talk. You have an insert. Can I use your insert just one second? Thanks. Well, on your insert, it says right here. Right right here is today's sermon on the front and on the back. It says your response. Everyone have a worship guide. Okay, we'll get one when you when you leave. It's I, I'm just going to walk through this real quick, and on the bottom it says your response. The one thing I, I I know for sure is if we don't respond to what we feel God is telling us or what He is telling us, you always will stay stuck. And so the one thing I want us to do is to recognize what is it. You don't have to do it now. I must get rid of. What must you get rid of to get stuck? 
what is what is between you and the cross that is stopping you from being unstuck? Write it down. And if it's something you just, I, I, I couldn't dare the thought of someone seeing it, put an X. I'm being serious. Put an X. Just tangibly recognize this is something God does not want in my life. I must get rid of it. Then number two is I'm asking God. See, it's too easy, too, to sometimes go, you know, God, I know I need to get rid of this in my life, so I'm asking you to do it. That's too easy. Because more than likely, I'm not God, but more than likely, he won't. Because he expects us to respond by faith. No response by faith, he's going, well, you know what? Then me helping you is going to hurt you. You know, you ever have a child, a lot of us have children or grandchildren, or you were a child once. If we are constantly doing for our children the things they should be doing, then guess what? They never grow up. They never learn. God desires for us to learn. So I'm asking God, now something very specifically, you're asking God not to just help you get rid of this thing, but to empower you and to whatever he puts on your heart. But don't make it just about, you know, God, and I'm asking you to just get rid of this thing. That's, that's all I want. I'm seeking God's uh, word and counsel. Write down a scripture that you feel that God might be telling you. Or seek biblical counsel, not just counsel. I want to be careful. I mean, I, but biblical counsel, a Christian counselor. If you're stuck somewhere and you need some help, like, okay, I, I don't really know the word of God, Pastor Tony, or, so I need some help here. We actually have help here such as that. Christian, biblical, maybe you guys might not even know. I don't know if it's been mentioned in a long while. We don't do it through here, but we do it through um, a ministry that we're networked with, Hope Counseling. So I'm being very serious. If you're, if you're stuck in something and, and it's something that's so deep you just see no way out, but you want God's word and God's touch and some kind of understanding, some kind of help pointing you in a, in, in a direction to get you unstuck, talk to me. I'm knocking and by obedience doing what the word of God tells me. Okay, so if I'm stealing cookies and I put the cookies aside and then I'm praying and the spirit of God says, thou shall not steal, then guess what? Don't steal, <laughs> right? I'm being obedient to what God's word says. And I'm specifically praying for God, remove the cookies. God, let my eyes be on something different. And then I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our salvation. I didn't realize because that was so heavy. I didn't move it here prior to service. But when I just went back there, I mean, this ain't nothing on me, and I don't know about you. It might be just a me thing, me and God. But when I got back here and looked, it spoke to me. I'm just going, whoa, how many times do I put something between, you know what I'm saying, that I'm living life in the PowerPoint, and all of a sudden, now that the cross is blocking the view of the PowerPoint, I'm going, okay, I get it. Until the cross is before us and not the world, we're always going to be stuck. We're always going to have struggles.
Jesus said to him in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As an illustration, there's no possible way any one of us can get to the Father except through the cross. The Bible says that by the cross, through Christ, he became the bridge between us and God. He came to reconcile us back to God, to reconcile meaning to make a relationship, to make a way, a bridge between us and God. There is no other bridge, not in salvation, and there is no other bridge in getting unstuck. Time to get unstuck, wherever you may be. If you're stuck in a relationship this morning, and they're in this room, you better be hugging on one another before you hit those doors. Or you better be making a phone call when you leave this room. Life is too short. And it just keeps ticking by. Sometimes we're stuck and we can't do anything as far as telling someone or write a letter. Even if it's to someone that is no longer uh, here with us, write a letter. Give it to God. I forgive you whatever it might be. Amen?